South Campus, North Campus, online, family, I am so excited about today. I mean, you get an incredible opportunity. Tonight, we are going to gather all of us at our South Campus who can be here. We want everybody to come together. We're going to have an encounter night tonight. Leif Hetland's going to come. And we are going to do this. We're going to worship a little bit. We're going to share the word a little bit. But most of the time, it's going to be us seeking for the Holy Spirit to do more work in our life. I mean, come on, all our campuses, everybody online, how many of you need the Holy Spirit to do a deeper thing in your life right now? We all need it. The rest of you are liars, or you don't know you need it, but we need it, and we've set aside a time so that we can seek more of the presence of God in our life, seek to have his Spirit do a greater work in our lives to fulfill everything he wants to fulfill in us and through us. So we're going to be at our South Campus tonight at 6 p.m. Leif is going to be leading us in that, but you have the blessing this morning. I've already heard the message. I'm excited, so excited about what you get to hear that Leif Hetland's going to be sharing with us. Leif is a partner. He's a friend. He's been here several times with our Word, Spirit, and Power conferences. But uniquely, God is using Leif around the world. He's going to tell you some stories about where he's been in Pakistan, Afghanistan, Cuba, some of the darkest places in the world. And God has given him a grace to go in there. And we are seeing tens of thousands of people come to faith in Jesus Christ for what's going on. We get to be a little bit of a part of that. And we get to receive of the blessing that he has for you and I. Now, you're going to notice if you've not been around Leif, Leif has an accent. Not like a southern accent like I have. He has another kind of accent. So I'm just going to tell you right now, lean in real close. Because there are some things the Lord is going to share with you and you don't want to miss any of it. So here's what I want us to do. South Campus, North Campus, even if you're online right now and you're kind of all by yourself, I still want you to do this. I want you to put your hands together and I want you guys to welcome Leif Hetland to Beltway Park Church this morning. Come on, Leif. Amen. Just wave to me and smile, everyone. Let me just see all of this. Wow. Say wow. Oh, this is beautiful. Well, it feels amazing for me to be back again. And by the way, good morning. Say good morning. Uh, good morning, you Beltway family. I am very excited about being back. How are you doing, by the way? How many of you are excited we survived 2020? And we survived 2021? And some of us even thrived in the middle of it. And instead of whining, we are still shining. And so congratulations, we are here. And I thought even we're going to talk a little bit about a couple of things. And I wanted to share a few testimony. And I do realize when Pastor David said that I had a Norwegian accent and you have to lean closely towards me. I think what that meant is I need to slow down. Maybe in the first service with my accent, that you need a gift of interpretation in Texas to be able to pick it up. <laughs> and since not all of us are Pentecostals, that can be difficult, so it's easy for me to slow down. But I, I do want to honor you as a family, and I wanted to honor the Beltway Park family for the way that you are supporting me, the way you are praying for me, and praying for us in what God is doing. And I thought about sharing a couple of testimonies. About two weeks ago, I came home from Cuba. The communist country of Cuba is experiencing the most difficulties and the darkest storm in over 30 years. Uh, part of it, you have the embargo here, but also no tourism from Europe or Canada because 
because of COVID-19. And I started to hear stories that they had surgeries on children without anesthesia because there was no medicine. And my core leaders in Cuba, they had not even had a new toothbrush in over one year. And not because you cannot get toothbrush. So I went into Cuba, both to encourage and to empower our churches in the middle of it, because so many people wanted to give up in the middle of the storm and wanted to leave the country. And as many of you also know that the uprising, there was a lot of persecution going on. But in the middle of that, God is doing something. And so we went there, and it was amazing to watch them worship and to see how they're being overwhelmed by Jesus so nothing else could overwhelm them. And in one service, we had three blind eyes that Jesus opened. Can we give him a good hand? One lady with stroke got totally healed. And just in a matter of a few days, 168 people just received Jesus. So we, let's give Jesus a good hand. I think one of my favorite stories was there was a, a witch and I was just actually was wondering because the worship leader was so extravagant. And I had not seen her before in this one church in Havana. I mean, she was extravagant. There was dancing. Three hours of extravagant worship. And I need to get in shape to be able to be a part of the Cubans. And I encourage you also to get more Texans in heaven. Because if not, you're going to have a culture shock with all those Cubans. Because, I mean, they were extravagant. I need to get in shape. So anyway... This lady was extravagant. I said, who is she? And they told me the story that she was one of the most known witches in all Cuba. She was a witch and full of witchcraft. And she had a hairdressing place that where she is fixing the hairs of the lady. And Aki, who is the pastor's wife, Aki, she had come to me. I didn't remember that. She came to me and said, Pastor Leif, she said, what do I do? Because the best hairdresser in our area is this witch. And the Christian one doesn't cut hair very well. <laughs> so should I go to the witch or do I go to support the Christian? And I said, well, uh, go to the witch. Because I said, the light in you is greater than the darkness in the witch. And, but she said she puts all this witchcraft on you. So anyway, to make that story short, for over one year, Aki went to get her hair done. And then eventually I was in Cuba. I didn't know it. Two years ago when I was in Cuba, the witch came to church for the first time. And because Aki learned how to love the witch. And the result of that, the witch gave her life to Jesus. She was saved. Wow. I'm going to make sure to send you the link of her interview and make sure that the church, that you can get it out. It's a powerful testimony. But she got saved, healed, and delivered. And she is the top evangelist now in all Havana, probably all over Cuba. Yeah, it's amazing because... As she has been forgiven much, she forgives much. And she has had an encounter to change her. But everyone that meets her, they get an encounter. And that's why I hope that everyone will be here tonight, that we will receive a fresh encounter so that we can become an encounter. So people, when they're experiencing us, can experience Jesus in us. Can you say amen? And then I also wanted to mention in November, many of you were praying for me, and you as a church supported us as we went to both Afghanistan and Pakistan. And it was incredible to see what God was doing. I had the privilege to receive the International Peace Award of the Year by the President of Pakistan. And it was a great honor. And on the award, it says, as an ambassador of love. 
And I know I have a new book out there called The Love Awakening, but that's so much of my assignment for every single one in this room to be an ambassador of love, to represent King Jesus, to make it hard for people to go to hell and make it easy for people to go to heaven because they get to have an experience with a God just like Jesus. I was talking fast again, didn't I? I just get excited. Now, so anyway, on this trip, one of the moments I was in the Shia Muslim headquarter, and I was going to meet the chairman of the Shia political party, and he had all these strict Shia Muslim imams in this room, and in a moment, Jesus' presence just came in, and I was thinking, this is not a good time, Jesus, because these are the clergy, Shia Muslim clergy, but to make the story short, first there was a word of knowledge for one of them, and he got totally healed. He had had a surgery two years ago, frozen shoulder, and Jesus healed that imam's shoulder. And then the knee got healed, and before you know it, the environment started to change, because when Jesus shows up, good things happen. So if God can do it in the Shia Muslim headquarter in Pakistan, imagine what he can do here in Abilene. And I wanted just to kind of give a little background of this message. Let me first ask you a question. How many of you, you are no longer what you used to be, but you have not yet become what you're supposed to become? Raise your hand. How many of you are in a transition season in your life? There's changes going on. Let me just remind everyone, I'm going to talk a little bit about crossover season. I'm going to talking about storms in life when we are actually leaving who we were, and we are on a journey to become what we are supposed to become, and the storms that we sometimes have to deal between. So when I came home from Pakistan, I was so tired and so beaten up, and I just realized, I just want to enjoy my family, and we were going to have a special Christmas vacation. And it had been three years since all of us was gathered as a family, because two of our daughters lives in Norway. And then one of my daughters, she is engaged. And uh, by the way, she, uh, she's going to get married in July in Norway, and I'm very excited. So as Courtney and her fiance came to be with us, Finally, we're going to enjoy life, and it seems like everything was going well, and then COVID came in. So all of us as a family, we ended up with COVID-19 all during Christmas season. And then in the middle of COVID-19 season, guess what happened? A big storm hit Atlanta, and our house got hit by lightning. So the television was out, internet was out, and from there it just got worse. I don't know how it is with you, but how many of you have experienced some storms in the last couple of years? Just wave to me. Uh, for the rest of you that are not waving, I just want to remind you, uh, you're either on your way into a storm, or you're on your way in the middle of the storm, or you're on your way out of a storm. But there are storms that is happening. It is happening globally. There are storms happening in America. There is political storms, geopolitical storms. There are so many financial storms happening. Just look at the gas pump. I mean, these storms are affecting all of us, even if we like it or not. And my heart for the next 28 minutes and 12 seconds is to help you to be able to navigate your storm so that you will get to the other side. Because God has something for you. God has something for your family. God has something for the Beltway Park family that is on the other side of this storm. And we need to make sure we get all the nutrients out of these storms 
And that's why I wanted to take you and open up your Bible and join me in Mark chapter 4. And I'm going to try to slow down so that you can pick up my Norwegian accent. And while you open up, Mama Frida, Frida sends her love. And my wife Jennifer sends their love. And they miss you. And uh, on Wednesday, we are all going to go to Colorado together. So I just had to say that to you. Frida and my wife, they wish they were here, would you? Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. I want you to say that with me. Let us, one more time, let us cross over to the other side. One more time. I'm reading from the New King James Version. When they had left, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. Say the word pillow. One more time, say pillow. And they awoke him, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. Say the word exceedingly. First, they had fear because of the storm. But now they got an upgrade in fear. I don't know if that's how your year was like, but suddenly now they feared exceedingly. They went from fear to exceedingly fear. And they said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Can you say amen? It starts this incredible journey. They had just been feeding the multitudes, and it was actually through their own hands they saw a miracle happen. And then in the next moment, Jesus himself said, let us go to the other side. And I highlighted that because I want us to start with that it is totally possible for us as believers to be right in the middle of God's will and experiencing storms. I know some of us maybe have a, or some maybe have a theology that these storms are not supposed to happen or it must be the devil. But I want you to know the devil did it. This is not the devil that did it. This is the Lord that says, let us go to the other side. Jesus is the one that invites them to go into the boat and he is in the middle of the boat and there was still a storm that came in. How many of you have experienced some storms lately? How many of you are in the middle of a storm? You go to bed at night time, and there's a storm going on in your mind. Perhaps there's a storm going in your heart. You're going home, and you know there's going to be a storm at home. Perhaps you go in your business, there's a storm. You cannot even turn on the news without realizing there's storms that is taking place. And especially what's happening in Ukraine and what's going on with Russia, there's storms everywhere. And that's what I did is I walked into Cuba in the middle of a storm and crisis. 
And this is how this word came to me that as we started a new year, we had just been in the middle of this storm and I was trying to ask God, God, what are you doing in the middle of it? And that's when he gave me these scripture verses and he started to give me some revelation to help me to get to the other side. He said, let us go to the other side. And now because of their obedience, because they're right in the middle of God's will, the Bible says a great storm came in. There's water in the boat, and there is suddenly wind all around, and they are being overwhelmed. Say overwhelmed. Let me just remind you, whatever overwhelms you will shape you. If you're being overwhelmed by fear, fear will shape you. If you're being overwhelmed by negativity, negativity will shape you. But if you're being overwhelmed by love, love will shape you. If you're being overwhelmed by Jesus, Jesus will shape you. So just be very careful what is overwhelming you in this season. For these disciples, there was three kinds of storms, and this is what we are experiencing right now. There is the physical storm. Say physical storm. Physical storms can be health. There's some people that need healing in here. There's physical storms. It can be also physical storms as we're seeing with the COVID-19. And I know I had a friend of mine that says, I, I don't even believe it is real. And he says, I don't even believe that COVID-19 exists until he got it. And when he was there, pretty sick. And he didn't even want to get tested. And I knew exactly what it was. And he had to confess that the physical storms are real. Inflation are real. Have you noticed that? The prices are going up. So what is happening, there is real physical storms that is affecting every aspect of our life. And I want to encourage every one of us to actually name some of your physical storm. Because if you can name the storm, I believe that Jesus has a name. If you are sick, Jesus says, I am your healer. If you are in turmoil, he says, I am your peace. If you are weak, he says, I am your strength. Whatever you are going through, Jesus himself he wants to overwhelm you with something about him that is going to overwhelm the storm. Yeah, maybe we could give Jesus a good hand for that one. But then there are emotional storms. Say emotional storm. The Bible says they were afraid. Fear. And I believe that fear is often false evidences appearing real. But fear was real for them. They had true anxiety and true fear. Is there anyone in this room that have experiencing there is some anxiety and fear that has been going on in this last season? Just wave to me. There is a global fear right now. There is a fear virus and it is spreading everywhere and it is very contagious. There is anxiety. There is uncertainty about the future. And this was real for the disciple. They were afraid, the Bible says. But then, this is the storm that I believe is the most difficult storm. And that is, there's a spiritual storm that is going on. Say spiritual storm. Where are you, God, when I need you? Where are you right now in the middle of the storm? The disciple themselves, here's Jesus, he is asleep. And guess what? Jesus is sleeping on a pillow. Why would Jesus bring a pillow? Because intentionally speaking, he had decided, I don't bring my pillow to the meeting unless I'm planning to rest. And Jesus brought the pillow because knowing there's going to come a storm, he knew that he is going to go and find a place and he's going to find rest. And how could Jesus do that? Because where his father is, there is rest. 
And all he did is what he see his father do. And all he said is what he heard his father say. So Jesus, intentionally speaking, in this storm, he's bringing a pillow in it. And he is going to the stern of the boat. And guess what he does? He falls asleep. He is resting. And I believe the first storm here, this is one of the major things we're going to learn. There's two storms going on in our lives, in America, and around the world. And I wanted to give us some navigation tools so we can get on the other side. Because there's something at stake for us, for the next generation, that we get to the other side. So in the middle of this, as Jesus is resting in the middle of it, the disciples are drowning and then finally they're going to wake him up. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you see that we are drowning? How many of us have had that kind of a prayer in this season? Jesus, where are you? What's going on here? Where are you when I need you? We're calling 911. And it doesn't seem to be an answer. We're being overwhelmed. There's one leak after the other. As soon as you fix one problem, there's another problem. As soon as there is one breakthrough it seems to be another breakdown. As soon as you've experienced a miracle, it seems like your miracle needs a miracle. I don't know if you've been in that season, but I've just come through that season, and it is so amazing to be on the other side. But I'm just aware there is other storms coming. So in the middle of all of that, when we're getting here in the middle of the storms, and you're being overwhelmed by the storm, they finally wake up Jesus, and he says, Why are you afraid? When I'm reading that about Jesus, I think it is kind of a little silly question. It is like asking an eagle, why do you soar? Or asking a swimmer, why are you wet? Asking a dog, why do you bark? Isn't it obvious? I mean, we are drowning. There's water in the boat. There's wind that is about to crush us. And you are asleep. And then Jesus does something. He says, peace. Peace. And I do believe that he's going to speak peace to your mind, peace to your heart, peace to your body. He's releasing his peace because the Bible says that, he says, peace, be still. If he says, peace, be still, that means that peace is moving. And I don't know if you're feeling that peace is moving, allowing Jesus to speak peace and bringing the peace back again into your life, into your situation, into your home, into your business, into your heart, into your pillow as you go to bed and you're entering into the hard work of rest. So number one is, what word did Jesus give you before you went into the storm? And some of us, we need to get back to that word. And I thought about it one of the times when I was in the Philippines. And I didn't realize I had just finished actually speaking in the largest church in the country. And that night, I started to feel pain in my chest, started to get fever. Eventually, my fever was 104 and a half. And I got very, very sick. And then in the next moment, I ended up with double pneumonia. I don't even remember how I got back to America from the Philippines. I don't remember the trip. That storm started to hit, and then it got worse. Because when they did a CAT scan on my lungs, they said, we have some good news and bad news. The good news is you do have double pneumonia. And the good news is that when we checked your lungs, is we found a tumor. That's the bad news. But if you hadn't had pneumonia, we wouldn't have found a tumor. And in the next four to five months, it just was like a whirlwind. I lost 46 pounds and I was going under. And I know exactly what the disciple felt. I was afraid. And until eight days before surgery, I was crying out to Jesus like, where are you? People were praying from all over the world. 
And then one of my Filipinos, we were together in my office in Florence, Alabama. And as we were there and we were waking up Jesus, we had actually an encounter. Some of the things that we are going to pursue even tonight, there was a fresh encounter with Jesus. Until that moment, I knew I was going to die. But after the encounter with Jesus, I knew I cannot die. Everything changed in that moment. And I remember I was pale. I looked very white. But I looked in the mirror. My face was glowing. Because somehow his face had been shining upon me as we were in this atmosphere. Jesus came in and he spoke into that situation. My tumor shrank one inch. And we have the picture of it. And it changed from malignant to non-malignant. So when I'm reading these scripture verses, it is a reality. I went through all those different stories. But what word did it give? You're going to live and not die was the word. But everything in me said that I was dying. But there was a word that says, let us go to the other side. And on the other side, I was not dying. And Jesus, by the way, is not going to drown in the middle of the storm. And Jesus is on board your ship. So the number one is, what word did God give you? What word can you stand, stand on in the middle of your storm? Second of all, what is Jesus doing in the middle of the storm? I didn't say what the devil was doing. I didn't even say what Democrats, Republicans, politicians, or anybody else is doing. I said, what is Jesus doing? And right now we are living in a season where a lot of us are being distracted by what God is not doing because we don't see what God is doing. So when Jesus is at rest in the middle of the storm, I wanted to give us some hints. It is time for us to bring a pillow. And it is time for us to rest where he is resting. Can you say amen to that? Because rest is a powerful weapon of warfare. Rest is connected to receiving. And what you're receiving, you're becoming. And what you're becoming, you will release. Could I say that again? Rest is connected to receiving. And what you receive is also what you become. And what you become is eventually what you will release. So what Jesus is doing, he can speak to the storm that is on the outside because there is no storm on the inside. And I want to remind many of us in the middle of this storm, we're going to let go of some things that is, doesn't have purpose for the next season. So what are some of the things we need to let go of in this season? Throw it overboard. When you get squeezed, what's in you comes out. So if there is fear, don't get upset with yourself. It's just an invitation for you to have an upgrade in love. And that perfect love will cast out fear. If there's sadness, you can get an upgrade in joy. So everywhere the enemy is trying to take you under, there is an upgrade on the other side. So what you're beholding, you're becoming. And what you become, you will release. Let's open up our Bible. We're going to look at the next storm. So this storm is when we're going to learn how to rest. Say rest. But this next storm is a little bit different storm. This one we're going to learn how to go to war. This is when we're learning how to press in. One, we are learning how to lean back. But this next storm is also going on. We need to learn how to lean forward. We need to learn how to press in. We need to learn how to row against the wind. We need to be able to make sure we're going to get to the other side. Because the enemy is trying to stop you from reaching your destiny. So that storm is a little bit different. So let's read it together. Immediately, that's from Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. 
immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, say evening, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Say contrary. Now in the fourth watch, say the fourth watch, of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you. I want you to say that with me. If it is you. Say that with me. Say, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on water. And he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on water to go to Jesus. And when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. And he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and he caught him and said, oh, you of little faith. I struggle with this. Oh, you with little faith. If Peter had a little faith that stepped out of the boat and walked on water, if Jesus said that to Judas, that would make sense. But for him to say that to Peter, but that's little faith. What does big faith look like? So anyway, he says, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And then it just continued. Then those who were in the boat came and they worshipped him saying, truly, truly, you are the son of God. And then when they had crossed over to the other land of Gennesaret, when the men in that place recognized him, they sent out into all surrounding region. They brought to him all who were sick. Say all who were sick. And he, and they begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched it, they were made perfectly well. So again, we color what it looked like on the other side. So on the other side, there was a major breakthrough. There was all those people that needed healing. On the other side of this storm, in both of these storms, there was something special and unique. And on your other side of the storm, there is something beautiful. The first storm, we're going to learn how to rest. But this one is a little bit different. This is when Jesus says, hey, at this moment... I want you to go in the boat, but I'm going to go up and pray. This is the times in life when we are in the middle of life. We are in the middle, and it seems like he is gone. He went to pray for us, and then a great storm came in. And I wanted to capture a couple of things from the Scriptures. One of them, it was in the evening. Say evening. And it seems like many times for people, even right before you go to bed, it is in the evening. Both of these storms happen. And it was on the fourth watch. Say fourth watch. I do not like the fourth watch. Let me help you. Fourth watch is between three and six in the morning. I like the first watch faith. That means that something happens and I pray and it happens. 
First watch. I like when that happens. But I don't like when it is to the last moment. I don't like that he has to wait to eight days before my surgery. Or financially speaking, it is the day before we go to Pakistan and I still need $50,000. And for six months you've been waiting and you wait for the fourth watch. Or for that prodigal son to come home and it's like in the last moment, right when you're about to give up, it is in the fourth watch that suddenly at that moment is when he starts to appear. So the fourth watch, faith. We're going to need some fourth watch faith in this season. How many here would like some fourth watch faith? Because I believe it is some fourth watch faith that God is releasing. And the biggest reason I believe he waits to the fourth watch is so that we can learn to totally trust him. The first three other watches, there's often other things we trust in. By the time you get to the fourth watch, I don't have any plan B. There's only a plan A, and that is you, Jesus. And unless you show up, it's not going to work. You are my healer. You are my strength. You are my provider. You are my sustainer. You are my freedom. You are my peace. The second part I want us to capture in this scripture, and that is that Peter said, if this is you, first of all, they think it is a ghost. Say ghost. Let me just mention, sometimes the way that he shows up can scare us in this season. I've had a few of those encounters where, wow, I love those sweet encounters when Jesus showed up and he touched me gently. But I've also had some of the ways that he shows up. He often, or I'm not saying often, but sometimes he offends my mind so he can touch my heart. And he shows up in ways where we do not recognize it. And we need to learn to be sensitive. What I loved about Simon, he, he just, as long as I can hear his voice, even when I cannot recognize him and see him, let me hear your voice. And that still small voice is speaking here today. And say, Jesus, if this is you, say something. And I will come. And he said, come. Say, Come. Many of the most profound things has he ever spoken to my life is just a simple word. Come, go, stay, pray, be healed. Many of the most complex things that Jesus has ever spoken to me is just in a simple word. Sometimes when he says, come, I say, well, do I have a prophet that can confirm it? No, actually, the confirmation is in the word. The promises in the word, when he says, come, all I need to do is to step out of my comfort zone and get out of the natural into the supernatural and put my eyes on Jesus. I was going down to my CPA in Columbus, Georgia. And as I was sitting in the car, I could feel the whisper of the Holy Spirit says, Leif, it is time for you to walk on water again. And I could sense I've been comfortable in the boat to do what I know how to do. And I knew what he meant. There's this an area where there's a million and a half people. They never heard the name of Jesus. There's never been a missionary. There's never been a Christian. Nobody has been able to go there. And for 10 years, I've tried. Last time, there was a storm that actually stopped me from making it. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually, all got hit, and I got crushed. And I never made it. And so the enemy was just kind of intimidating to me. But I realized that invitation was for me to go back to that area. So next month, I'm heading back to that area. Why is it the enemy is so nervous that I'm going to get to my other side? And he's done for 10 years. He's been trying to stop us to getting into that area. So for me, it was an invitation to get out of the boat and to take a little step closer towards Jesus and walk on water. 
And I just feel for many of us in this season, when we're being overwhelmed by the storms, it is actually also an invitation. If it was not for that storm, we wouldn't have the opportunity to step out of the boat and take a step on water. I'm here also to put a little theory together. I don't believe that Simon Peter just took a couple of steps. I actually think he walked quite a bit on water. And why do I believe that? Let me explain. Jesus from a distance looks like a ghost from a distance. So at least when he stepped out of the boat and the Bible says he walked on water, he must have walked far enough. And Jesus has must walking far enough to where, when he was sinking, and he started to see the circumstances, and he started to sink, Jesus was close enough just to reach out his hand and grab him. So he had maybe little faith, but Jesus had great grace. And I just wanted to release that over many of us today. You maybe feel you have little faith, and a couple of more things connected to that. I want to encourage us. I felt that. I want to encourage us to take risk in this season. I want to encourage you just, well, what if the person don't get saved? Do you remember he said, what if? What if he don't get saved? What if I pray for that person and he don't get healed? What, what if I do go to my neighbor and he will not receive me? What if I apply for that job and it doesn't happen? What if, what if? And that's what Peter says. What if, Jesus? What if this is you? And many of us, we put the what if in fear. And I am here to say, why don't you put your what if in faith? So make a long line there and see what your fear is. But make a long line there. Here's what my faith is. What if on the other side, 50,000 Muslims is going to get the names added to the Lamb's Book of Life? What if on the other side, there's some major healing that's going to be breakthrough? What if on the other side of your obedience, there's something that is about to take place? And that's why the win is country that is trying to stop you and your family from reaching your destiny. Can you see it? So I'm encouraging you even with a what if. But here's what I think is so beautiful. I want to challenge this family, Beltway family, and I'm going to land this, but I want, us, I want to challenge you with this. I want us to create a culture, and especially for the young people, just hear me. I want us to create a culture where we're celebrating people that are walking on water, that are taking risk. And even if you are sinking, it is Okay. Even your faith is little, it is better than no faith. But even if your faith is little, His grace is great. Even if your feet will fail you, His hand will not fail you. And you will just have another lesson. And I want to create a culture, uh, even if the person don't get saved, what if they do get saved? Well, what if they don't? The prophecy is not from Him. What if it is from Him? And I want to create a culture where we're celebrating people. They're keeping their eyes on Jesus. We are worshiping Jesus. We're celebrating Jesus, but we take risk. And when you sink, we're just coming up. We're going to do it again. And we're going to do it again. And we're going to do it again. It took me 10 years of praying for people with cerebral palsy before I saw the first one healed. 10 years for praying for people with autism before I saw the first person with autism healed. So maybe we're sinking many different times, but his grace was always there and I continued to pray. And eventually the breakthrough was on the other side. The last thing I want to say this lesson is not about water. It is about worship. In the end, they worshipped him. And they saw who he was. And they, you're going to see who he is. Abilene is going to see who he is. America is going to see who he is. And this extravagant worship is about to take place like we've never seen it before. He's about to show up in the middle of the storm. And he's going to speak to the storm. He has authority over COVID. He has authority over cancer. And I know that I'm going a little over here, but we just had two people... 
I lost some people with cancer and disease. But then in November, one with brain cancer. They had totally given up. At one of Papa Jack's meeting, I didn't know, but in November I found out. He called me and said, do you remember me? I said, yes. And he said, I had an encounter with Jesus in this room with you and Papa Jack. You looked me into the eyes. I ended up resting. And Jesus came to me in a vision and said, I'm going to give you a new brain. He had brain cancer and had spread everywhere. And he's showing, has the picture here, totally eaten up by cancer here. All the cancer is gone. <laughs> that one... One more story from there in Montana. We were in Billings, Montana, and my heart, I seen a lot of healings, but I wanted to see some miracles because one of the ladies with three small little daughters, and I had some defeats, but I'm going to continue. Put my eyes on you, Jesus, but it was hard to continue to have faith because the pain, because what we want to do is we want to lower expectancy so we don't have to feel the disappointments. But I decided, no, I would rather, I want you to heal my hope again. And this lady with the three children, by faith, even if it, my faith was little, how do you know it was little? It, it was at least big enough that I prayed. And hers was big enough that she let me pray. That's all the faith you need. It's called little faith, but that's better than no faith. And through those three days, by the way, Sunday night in a small four square church, the glory came in during an encounter. Nobody prayed, but the presence of Jesus. All the cancer disappeared. And she sent us the report, totally eaten up by cancer. The cancer is gone. So let's just give praise to Jesus. There's hope for us to get to the other side. Let's stand to our feet. Let me pray for you. Father, I just want to thank you. Just hold out your hands. Wow. I can even sense some of you just being overwhelmed right now. You are in the middle of a storm. Some of you, it is the first storm that we talked about. Well, all you needed to do is go back to hear the word of Jesus that he's spoken over you. All you need to do is to take a look at Jesus, what he is doing in this season. And when he is, rest, when he is resting, just find your resting place with him. But in this second storm, when the wind is contrary, and according to the book of John chapter 6, the Bible said they rode against the wind three to four miles. And I just felt it was for somebody here today. Some of you have been rowing against the wind and you felt like you're about to give up. But I'm here to say there's just a few little more yards and you are on the other side of the storm. Don't give up. Hold on. They continue to row against the wind until they get on the other side. And when you get on the other side, it is worth it. So Father, I just release over my family the grace, grace, grace that you're reaching out your hand when we feel we are sinking. And that your grace is sufficient. So even when our faith is low, your grace is high. And we receive your grace in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.